Welcome to the Vital Dawn Podcast for Thursday, March 5th. S&P futures are trading down 50 points. That's about 1.6%. Europe opened higher and it's faded. Europe is now down about 1%. Asia had a decent night overnight as uh, as they followed off of the impressive US rally from Wednesday. So, you know, again, I think I think, you know, I, I think people every morning need to kind of wake up and when they look at the markets, they should look at news first and then stock prices because I think people are allowing the latter to influence their view of the former. Um, and the market is is significantly more volatile than underlying fundamentals are. So on a day like Wednesday, people should not get excited. And on days when the market crashes, they shouldn't get too gloomy either. This market clearly is in a panicked, frenzied mode at the moment, and it's going to take a while for it to settle down. Um, but I think you know we can look at fundamentals to help give us a framework about levels that we shouldn't chase above and levels that we shouldn't um, you know puke below. So running through some of the items for today specifically, um, you know I think the coronavirus situation is very much front and center, and the dynamic is very much the same as it's been for several days, where you have continued improvement in China, um, where the government took extraordinarily aggressive measures to help contain the virus, shutting down enormous parts of the country and the economy. Um, they've had some success, assuming that the reported figures are accurate. Um, and you're now seeing parts of the, you know, significant parts of the country come back online. So a government official this morning talked about how consumer spending is stabilizing. You've seen a number of companies over the last couple of days, as, as they've spoken at various conferences, say that they are seeing improvement in China and that the bulk of the China-related fallout will be confined to Q1. So the China situation is certainly encouraging, but the non-China situation, um, you know, continues to worsen. You're continuing to see more cases outside of China. California overnight declared a state of emergency. You know, this is it's very much a technical decision. It's not so much the governor, um, you know, thinks that a state of emergency is in place. It's it's technical that allows the state to access certain funds and to have certain powers um, to better combat the coronavirus. But nonetheless, obviously, a headline like that is not very encouraging. You have another cruise ship being held out at sea um, amid concerns that it could transmit coronavirus um, you know, into the state. And so it's being held off of San Francisco and they want to screen everyone. You have um, Italy and Iran have shut down their school systems. You're, you, know, you have more countries imposing various restrictions on public gatherings, on movement of people. You have several diff several conferences and trade shows being canceled um, or being held virtually. You have a number of companies in certain cities asking their employees to work from home, et cetera. So, you know, you are seeing certainly, um, you know, fallout from the coronavirus outside of China while the situation in China does improve. There is a ton of concern about the U.S. case number specifically spiking over the next week or two as as the testing in the U.S. improves. Um, I received an, a ton of questions on that topic yesterday, specifically about you know what what case number in the U.S. would really unnerve investors, um, and I think that's very difficult to answer at the moment. I think it's not only the case number in aggregate, but also where those cases are occurring. Um, if it's in a huge population center like New York City or more dispersed throughout the country. But I think that is an enormous area of anxiety over the next week where many people think that, you know, the case numbers in the U.S. are much higher than are being reported. And it's just simply a function of of testing, not catching up with the spread of the of the virus. Um, so I think that is certainly weighing on on um, people's people's minds and sentiment as well on the central bank front. Um, you know, again, my views on this topic are the same as they've been. 
I don't think that monetary policy is something that's going to be able to combat the coronavirus, especially when policy is already extraordinarily accommodative. And I don't think yields crashing the way they are globally is positive for stocks either. I know the playbook states that the lower yields go, the better that is for multiples, just given that simple extrapolation. Um, but I do think that relationship breaks down at extremes, such as we're seeing right now. So when in a market where banks are just completely uninvestable, um, which they are going to become if yields continue along their current trajectory, I just don't think that's a market where the broader indices, such as the S&P, are going to be able to make much headway on the upside. Um, and so that, you know, I continue to think that, um, you know, we're coming up on the ECB this Thursday, where their deposit rate is already in negative territory and, and the market is expecting another 10 basis points of cut. That is not going to be positive for the tape. Um, you know, I, I know that we rallied yesterday, and some people tied that back to the Fed on Tuesday. Um, you know, again, I continue to think that I get the historical playbook states that low, you know, easier policies better for stocks. I do think that that at extremes it breaks down. Um, and then just finally on politics, um, you know, I get yesterday everyone tied it to to the Biden performance on Super Tuesday and the fact that we've eliminated, you know, quote unquote, the Bernie tail risk. Um, and I appreciate that. But I also think that Biden is a much more formidable opponent for Trump in November. And I think if you look at some of the specifics of the Super Tuesday voting and the turnout in certain, certain states and the coalition that backed Biden, it very much is simply a function of wanting to see Trump get removed from office. This is not, you know, a, the, the Democratic Party gravitating towards Biden at all. It's very much um, a statement on Trump. And so I think that should that continue going forward, um, you know, you, you it's going to raise concerns about Democrats increasing the majorities in the House, possibly flipping the Senate and then and then taking the White House. And so, you know, I think the market very much wants to see Trump stay president, wants to see the Trump economic and, and regulatory policies um, stay in place. And so I think that will become a, a greater headwind going forward. Um, you know, I will just say quickly on, on the election, the next big night is coming up this Tuesday, the 12, uh, this Tuesday, the 10th, rather Michigan and Washington will be the two big States that day. Um, Bernie should do well in Washington. And, uh, according to reports, you could see Warren drop out of the race soon and then, and back Bernie. Um, so just keep that in mind over the coming days. you you could see headlines on that front. Um, for the overall market, my views are still the same as before. I, you know, I'm using 18 times as a multiple. I'm using $170 as EPS. I think both of those are very generous. Neither is conservative, and both of those point to a ceiling at about 3,100 approximately, which again is a level where I don't think people should be chasing um, above. I think the 170 number probably has a little bit more downside risk than upside risk. Like I said before, I think the situation in China, which had been causing most of the earnings fallout for most global companies in terms of the supply chain is improving. But you are seeing, like I said before, a lot of other areas that are, uh, that are experiencing um, difficulties. You know, Tourism and travel related stocks in particular are going to suffer for months in the future. And you saw yesterday United announced a pretty aggressive reduction in capacity. And then JetBlue also announced a similar reduction. Um, so that 170 number, again, I think probably has a little bit more downside risk and upside risk. But I am I am comfortable that the majority of the coronavirus fallout, just given that so much of it stemmed from China supply chain disruptions, will stay in Q1. And then things should normalize. Um, the multiple is something that I continue to get a ton of pushback on. Um, you know, most people in this environment, again, they look at rates and they assume that 
given what the Fed has done, cutting 50 basis points, and they're probably going to cut again at the next meeting on, on March 18th, that you should be placing at least a 20-time multiple on this market. Um, and that's where, you know, if if I'm incorrect on this on this tape and we are going to kind of set fresh eyes, it will be a function of the multiple. Um, you know, I, I, again, I continue to think that we shouldn't just simply use the historical playbook and yields, the relationship between yields and multiples in the current landscape. And that's why I think 18 times um, is going to remain kind of a, a level where it will be difficult to sustain higher than it. But that's something where I get a ton of pushback on uh, on the multiple. So that is everything for today. Um, there was a lot of company-specific news as well. A bunch of earnings out in the U.S., a lot of earnings out in Europe this morning. Um, you can, you know, I have everything outlined in the Vital Dawn this morning. Um, in terms of the counter for today, there's nothing too major. You are going to have a few Fed speakers today and tomorrow. Um, you know, again, I think the expectation is the Fed will move again on the 18th at their next meeting, probably 25 basis points instead of 50. It will be interesting to see, I think, um, any commentary from Fed officials about what comes after rates, if they are going to start engaging in any of their um, other other policy tools, especially the balance sheet. The balance sheet is one area of, pol- of monetary policy where stocks will be um, that would receive very positively. So if you start to see uh, monetary officials really start to talk about balance sheet expansion, asset purchases, et cetera, that is something that I think markets obviously would welcome. You have the OPEC meeting today. You have the OPEC plus meeting tomorrow. So again, you have the OPEC countries are very much on board with a very large cut and you have Russia that continues to be reluctant. It seems to have any reduction at all. So you know the bid ask is anywhere between you know zero to 1.2 million barrels per day of, of a reduction. I think they'll probably settle. I think Russia will eventually get on board with with a reduction, not as high as that one million plus number that Saudi Arabia is pushing for. Um, you're probably going to see a lot of headline today on the OPEC front, and you're probably going to see a final decision sometime tomorrow when that when the OPEC Russia alliance meets. Um, you have a couple of more earnings as well. Nothing too major though. And that is everything um, for today. Uh, Thank you for listening.